Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Robbie Falk from 24-7 Sports, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk here with you on a Tuesday morning. Thanks for joining us at Super Talk. Dot FM or wherever it is that you get your podcast from. We appreciate all you guys out there, our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. We want to thank our sponsors at Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Start your day the right way with a trip to the drive-thru over at Strange Brew Coffeehouse here in Starkville or at Brupolo over in Tupelo. Be a little weird, Robbie, if Brupolo was in Tilatoba. Oh, you dropped a Tilatoba in there. I'm surprised it hadn't get, it hadn't come through before. I don't think it has. I'm pretty sure that's the first timer. It is. There you go. Tilla Brua. Brua Toba. Brua Toba. I think that's where we're going to go. Well, wherever you are in our fine state or in this great country of ours, if you want Strange Brew Coffee every morning, like we have here in Starkville or Tupelo, all you got to do is go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. They'll ship it right to you. Whatever kind of coffee machine sits on the counter, they've got you covered at strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. College Corner and collegecornerstore.com is the place to find maroon and white merchandise that you can't find just anywhere else. Only College Corner has the biggest and best selection in central Mississippi. Plenty of great shirts, polos, quarter zips, everything you need to outfit yourself, but they've also got a lot more. They've got stuff for the car, stuff for the house, stuff for your tailgate. If it's all maroon and white, they've got it at College Corner. Two locations in the Jackson area. They're in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet. They're in Floyd by the Half Shell. Or you can always shop online at collegecornerstore.com. Restaurant Tyler is Starkville's flagship restaurant over there on the corner of Maine and Washington. And, of course, right around the back of that is the, uh, the guest room, Starkville's premier gastro pub with, mixo- with great cocktails from their mixology program, plus all the great food that you enjoy upstairs at restaurant Tyler. The guest room is really two two things, two great things in one. It's a whole different kind of bar, but with all the great food that you get from restaurant Tyler. So you just can't beat that. Next time you're in the mood for uh, something different as far as a drink goes, but you want that great food, you know where to head. You head over to the guest room or to restaurant Tyler. Bobby Falk, today, as we are listening, as you're listening, at least if you're listening in the morning, is uh is January the 17th, which means we are one month to the day from the start of the college baseball season, a bounce-back season, hopefully, for Mississippi State. I've seen a lot of, of stuff, a lot of, of, of predictions. Maybe not predictions, but, but uh, people talking about State's transfer class and State's freshman class, and everybody loves them. A lot of newcomers. And then you've got some, some great returning veterans. Hunter Hines is back. Kellum Clark is back. Uh, Luke Hancock is back. Cade Smith is back. Casey Hunt is back. So you've got this good core of guys who are, who, you know, for the most part, some a lot of those guys participated and were big parts of the national championship team. Is it fair to say, though, that, you know, after last season, you sort of have to sort of see what you've got with Mississippi State. You want to see those first couple of weekends 
before you want to dive too deep into the prediction market? Yeah, it's definitely one of those things where like you have to separate, you know, what this team is. And I think that's going to be known pretty early. I mean, last year you have to separate, is this team, is this what this team actually was or was this just a bad year? Did things just go badly? You know, losing Landon Sims, was that something that this team just couldn't recover from, from a leadership standpoint and, and all that? Or was that team just not very good? Were they just not very talented? I find it hard to believe that they just weren't, that they were what their record said they were. I think that it was just a collection of a lot of things that, that went down with that team. And um, eventually it just kind of stacked up one after the other. So, to me, you have a good nucleus of guys that know how to win and also guys that are players that you've infused into the program here, whether it be in the transfer class or the recruiting um, in the high school or JUCO classes. I think that those guys mix what they have coming back. It's a really good nucleus for the team. I, I don't think there's going to be any issue for Mississippi State from a defensive standpoint or offensively. I think the big question is how much have they improved on the mound? And that's going to be the difference between Mississippi State being a, you know, a host the NCAA tournament or maybe even not even making the NCAA tournament. And that would be very difficult uh, for, for Coach Lamonis if he's not able to make the tournament two years in a row. But I, it's, it's just really hard for me to believe that this team won't make a big jump this year and have a much improved season. Pitching to me is is like you said. It, it is it's everything as far as you know. I, I feel the lineup is going to be fine. You've got Hunter Hines and Kellum Clark back, Luke Hancock back. You bring in guys like like Colton Ledbetter, who I think is just going to have a monster season for Mississippi State. You know, uh, Lane Forsythe a year ago improved a, a great deal as a hitter, and we'll see if he can take another jump uh, this season. Uh, I think that a guy like uh, um, Amani Larry is going to be a, an impact transfer as well. I expect Slate Alford to to come in come in the lineup. He had such a huge summer. Uh, I think that, that that carries over into this, and I think Aaron Downs can be a, a big contributor for Mississippi State as well. But then I, you know, I have no idea. I, I don't even know where to start really trying to piece together a rotation for Mississippi State. And we're going to talk to Teddy Cahill in a, minute, in a moment. And of course, he makes the comment, and he's absolutely correct that. Whoever starts Friday on February seventeenth, is not necessarily going to start the first SEC game or the or whatever for Mississippi State. But right now, sort of piece together a rotation for me how you think it could could put come together. Well, I think Cade Smith is going to be one of your main factors, no matter what, on the weekend, and could be your Friday guy. Uh, it, it remains to be seen if he locks that down or not. But to me, he's probably your most proven commodity there as a pitcher coming in the season. Um, Colby Holcomb is, is highly thought of. Where does he kind of fit into the rotation or out of the bullpen? Don't really know that yet. I think Landon Gartman's going to factor into the weekend rotation. Um, I'm trying to think who the other guy. I mean, wh- where does Casey Hunt fit? Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the season last year, they thought that he was the most impressive pitcher that they had, had you know, outside of back in the bullpen guys. They thought that KC was one of the most impressive guys that they had in the fall and in the spring. And he, was, he had a starting role in the first part of the season before mm-hmm. he was injured. Yeah. So it, to me, it looked like they were 
their projections for Casey Hunt was to be a starter. Mm-hmm. So that's that's going to be something to watch whether or not he he's in the rotation this year, and the rest is it's really kind of up for grabs for whoever wants to take it. Um, and I I don't really know how it's going to play out. I think that you know some of these like early scrimmages, and I say early, we're like a month away. You know some of these scrimmages and practices coming up are probably going to determine who's going to be your starters. You'll start to see some people pull away from others and some roles start to be worked in. But this might be a situation, too, where, you know, we've seen it before with with uh, Scott Foxhall just kind of testing guys out at different spots, mm-hmm. testing the guy out in middle relief, testing the guy out in the back end of the bullpen, maybe as a starter, long relief. And by SEC play and middle SEC play, you start to see those things really – transpiring and and guys fitting into those roles so I wouldn't look too closely at it early on the one thing that I do know is you'll probably see uh Cade Smith and Landon Gartman locked down one of those two spots if I had to guess that's probably going to be what what happens I mean Cade Smith started every weekend for Mississippi State a, a season ago there's no reason to think that he wouldn't do that again and that he won't be better uh in, in this upcoming season and then Gartman coming in from Memphis a lot, lot of hype might not be the right word, but a lot of hopefulness that he can come in and, and give you uh, an immediate impact. And then, like you said, you know, it's going to be piece by piece. The, the thing we know about Scott Foxhall is that he's not afraid to piece games together, that he's not afraid to, you know, pitch a guy a couple innings here, three innings here. You know, the state will never again have the bullpen depth they had in 2021. That's just sort of a once in a lifetime kind of deal. But you feel like this year, you, you know, you should be pretty good there. That you've you brought in a couple of guys. I think a guy like Colby Holcomb is gonna he's gonna get a very early opportunity to show that he can be a big piece in that bullpen. Obviously, everybody's gonna be looking at Aaron Nixon, who used to be an all a freshman All American, uh, had a had a rough second year at Texas, but now everybody's gonna be sort of putting on him to to regain that form. And then from you know the returning perspective, we don't know with Casey Hunt. I, I almost feel like he might be. He could end up staying in the bullpen, I think, as being a long relief or maybe maybe have an opportunity to be the closer, see what happens there. Obviously, Pico Khan uh, from a season ago, we all loved him as, as the true freshman, and had some, he showed you a lot of flashes here and there. I think he could be a big piece. A guy like Bradley Lofton, another true freshman, who was, you know, I, everybody thought he was a draft risk uh, just a few months ago. And then, of course, you know, we would be remiss not to mention Gerangelo Sanjay, who I think might be the most anticipated freshman. I mean, in terms of just people wanting to see him play. I mean, what, the the first they, everybody's looking forward to that first inning of his where he faces a righty than a lefty. I think more than not, they've been waiting on just about anything else in, in recent history. So there's some there's a lot of potential there, is how I would put it. Would you agree with that? Yeah, not I, I didn't mention I don't Nate know Dom what, either. Nate Dom. Um, is somebody that I think could uh, factor in this year too. He's really uh, all indications are he's really running it up um, in his bullpen sessions. I think that he has a chance to to be a major steal for Mississippi State just because of the electricity that he has in that arm. Mm-hmm. And you need that a lot of times. You need a guy, and he he could be a guy that's that's uh, back into the bullpen type of player. I think him and Aaron Nixon are probably your top guys for that. Casey Hunt has done it before. He could possibly do that too. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm very much ready to see um, 
Lou uh, Sanjay or however you spell his name, however you say his name, I think that he has a chance to be really special. Obviously, you got a guy that can throw the baseball like that from both sides. It's just a matchup nightmare for opposing teams. I don't think there's any way he doesn't factor in this year. No. He was too prominent during the fall. I mean, right away, he was starting against Alabama in that scrimmage, I think. Mm. He was every single weekend you were hearing about him. Mm-hmm. So that to me tells me that this this staff has a plan for him to be a major part of things as a true freshman. And that's why you bring those that's why you work to get those guys in, those those uh, dr- draft risk players. They don't want to come here to and turn down the MLB, turn down the minor leagues right away to sit on the bench. Those guys want to play. And so they're going to give him every opportunity to play, I think. Bradley Lofton, I think he dealt with some injuries in the fall. He's definitely got the ability to go out there and play right away. Don't know if he'll be able to do it, but you, you certainly need some uh, top-end left-handed pitching. And I think they added to it this year. It was basically Cole Cheatham and Pico Cone down the, down the, uh, the, um, the line last year. Mm-hmm. And that's not enough. So yeah, added some good not. pieces. Tyler Davis, I thought was a good add yeah. uh, for Mississippi State out of um, BCU. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that they're going to have options there, but now it's all about performing. And, and State needs to make a big jump uh, in the pitching department because they were not good last year by any measure. Do you think that obviously, you know, not in the first few months of the season, but when we get into SEC play, do you think Stone Simmons can make any kind of uh, any kind of comeback this year? Yeah, that's that's going to be the big question. I mean, obviously, it that that's a major hit for Mississippi State losing both him and Brooks Auger because I think both of those guys would have been huge for State to get back. Brooks was really coming along, I thought, last year until that injury. And Auger's injury and was so late in the season, I can't see he, he won't be yeah, he, this year. Yeah, he won't be able to. But Stone, I mean, that was one of your few bullpen pieces last year mm-hmm. that early on in the season you felt really, really good about and you never really got anything out of him. It's been almost a year now since his surgery. Mm-hmm. So I think it was late February, early March when he had that surgery. Yeah, This is about a, I think, 12 to 14 month deal um, depending on you know who you are and how you're rehabbing. I don't see there being any way before SEC play that he is pitching at a high level, but he could be a guy that late in the season comes in and gives you a couple innings. It's also very difficult, I think, you know, to get a guy to right away just be right back where he was. Absolutely. A lot of times it takes uh, it takes over a year. It takes a year and a half, two years for a guy to get back. So maybe he can come in and help you out late in the season. I don't anticipate him being a major factor for Mississippi State for most of this year. But we'll see how he does, you know, late in the conference schedule. If I said right now, Robbie, write me in the rotation Friday, Saturday, Sunday, how are you going to do it? Uh, just based on the fact that Lou had spent a lot of time pitching, mm-hmm. I think he has a chance to be a starter. Mm-hmm. They, they threw him out there a lot during the fall. And maybe that was just them just, you know, seeing what he has. But it seems like they have a lot of confidence in there. So I, I could see Cade Smith on, on a Friday – um, maybe maybe uh, Landon Gartman Saturday and then Lou on uh, Sunday. Okay. 
I mean, I, I, I can get behind that, to be honest with you. So. Last year, I thought Andrew Walling had the chance to start, so don't we were, listen we were, to me. We were we were a little bit off on that prediction. We, we, we'll, we'll admit to that one, for sure. Just a tad bit. From a hitting perspective, you bring back a lot of power. I mean, you've got, you know, I would say, for sure, four guys that are double-digit home run threats, and Hines, Clark, Ledbetter, and, and Hancock as well. Hancock has hit double-digit home runs in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, Hines is a kid, you know, I remember a season ago, you were adamant. Remember about this time last year, you were adamant. Like, this is the guy, he's going to be a big piece for Mississippi State, even as a true freshman. You were right on the money with that. Now he'll be playing in the, at a position, he'll be the first baseman. You know, what's the next step up for him? Is it just finding more consistency at the plate, hitting over 300, you know, consistently, you know, driving the ball into the outfield? What's the next level for Hunter Hines? Yeah, probably just a little more consistency there. But, I mean, gosh, that dude, he just had a different approach last year. I mean, it's really about just building on what he did last season because the freshman season that he had was really hard to do in this league Mm -hmm. and across college baseball. I mean, he batted 300 last year with 63 hits and, um, you know, walked 29 times. So, he, I mean, he could be patient up there, but – just you saw it a lot of times with him, an, an other way approach or two strike hitting. It, no moment ever seemed really big for him. He seemed to always come up there in a big moment and, and come through for you. 600 slugging at this level as a true freshman and batting 300 when you're basically an everyday player is just, it's insane. It's not something that you just trot out there and do all the time. So it's just making sure you don't have that sophomore slump building on this. I mean, if he's batting 315 with, you know, 18 home runs this year, mm-hmm. you, have a, you have a player that's projecting towards the top of the draft mm-hmm. and is looking like one of the best players in the SEC. Uh, but that's how good he was last year. 16 homers, 52 RBI, and 56 games as a true freshman is, is pretty remarkable. Now, another guy that I thought was going to have a big year last year that just didn't – it just didn't translate – was slate offered and now i think this is his year i think he has a chance this year to be really really good for mississippi state he mm-hmm. last year he played Massive 26 summer. games off and on he looked like he'd overwhelmed him a little bit at times he was just a little in over his head at the plate but during the summer you saw it clicking for him he was right there with colton ledbetter who is a guy that's three or four years older than him that's played a lot of college baseball he was right there step for step with him and was one of the one of the best guys in that league. I think he might have won MVP in that league. So I think what you're seeing is a guy that he took his freshman lumps and now he's kind of crossed that line. And he should be a player that really surprises some people in the SEC that aren't talking about him right now. It won't be a surprise to any of us because he's one that I thought was going to be with Hunter Hines as really impressive uh, player from Mississippi State. So – I think that you're going to see him take a jump and have a season very similar to what Hunter Hines did last year. A guy, you said Slate offered a guy you thought was going to have a big season last year. I thought that was going to be Kellum Clark. And Clark had an okay season. He had 14 home runs, 12 doubles. But he got into a massive early season slump, and and it just took him a long time to get out of it. And that's why he ends up hitting 257. My guess is if I go look, after you know the middle of March, he probably hit closer to, to 280, 290, but he, he got off to such a terrible start. 
I think this is going to be a, a big year for, for Kellum Clark. I think that he's going to be right there with Hunter Hines as two of the top sluggers in, in, in the SEC. Do you, do you see that as well, or am I just projecting here? Yeah, I could see that. Uh, you know, year three for him, this is, a, this is a money year for him. He's got to perform because, you know, th- this is his last chance to get the um, – the leverage that he yeah. wants in the draft, and he's got to come through. You also got to find a spot for him um, on the field where he projects, and I guess that's going to be outfield, it mm-hmm. looks like. Um, and that's, you know, that's what he played last year, but he's got to become a better defender. He's got to bef- become a little more consistent at the plate. Had a terrible start to the year. Then he got red hot for a little bit, and then he kind of dipped back down again towards late in the season. Mm-hmm. So you need that consistency from him, you know, throughout the throughout the year. I thought to close the year, I thought he was great, but it was just kind of like too little too late. Mm-hmm. He had he had a he had a run there towards the end of the year where he really was seeing the ball well and hopefully that's something that happens. I, he had like a broken hand or something. I I forget what the injury was in the summer. But that set him back. He really needed to take some reps this summer, I thought. And that set him back a little bit. But, you know, he's a guy that has played a lot of baseball, so that shouldn't hurt him too badly mm. uh, coming into the season. But I think he's, he's probably a guy that's going to be locked and loaded, looking to have a big year. When you look, trying to figure out, a, a, you know, a starting lineup for Mississippi State, obviously Hancock behind the plate, Hines at first. I think Amani Larry is probably, as we speak, the favorite there at second base coming into the season. Um, but Aaron Downs could figure into that as as well. Shortstop, obviously, Forsyth got that locked down, and then we think Alford will be at third. And then in the outfield... And, and I'll say this, I, David Mershon, I think, really impressed during the fall. Yeah. He could be a guy... The comp I got for him when he was committed to Mississippi State when he was like a sophomore or junior was Ryan Gridley. And it looks like... It looks like he's kind of on that projection. Mm-hmm. Not a big guy, but he's he's tough. He's got that swagger about him. I think he's going to s- swing the bat pretty well, plays really good defense. He's one of those that, you know, if Lane Forsythe is not on top of things, I could see him stealing some, some uh, starts from him. Mm-hmm. I think he's got a chance to be good down the line. That third outfield slot, because we feel like Ledbetter and Clark have got two of those kind of locked down. Is that Downs? Is that Connor Huzak? Is that uh, or is that a, a true freshman? Is that Dakota Jordan? Who do who is the third outfielder for Mississippi State? Yeah, that that's the big question. I think that again, that's going to be something that is determined in the next few weeks. Aaron Downs certainly can be there. He's got to get. He's got to make sure he's healthy. That's something that he's really been um, struggling with. Um, Hijack, I think, is his name. Connor Hijack. He's he's got a shot, obviously. As the, the, when I when I hear you uh, wanted you wanted to be huge sack. I do. I did. No, everybody did. Let's just be honest. But at the same time, this is one of those when <coughs> when I hear his name over the PA, then I'll know how to pronounce it. I, I cannot wait for Gerangelo's uh, name to be on the record. How do you pronounce it? Because yeah, I just we all need until to then. Sure. I'm just going to call him Lou. I found a video on YouTube where they were interviewing him, and I, I'm I'm pretty sure it's it's Gerangelo Sanjay. I'm pretty sure. Okay, well, we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, uh, we don't need any. We don't need any tweets from anybody 
telling us how to pronounce stuff. Yeah, we're not, us, we're not up for the correction. Let us figure it out when Jonathan Holmes or somebody pronounces it, okay? Uh, but anyway, back to that outfield spot. I think Dakota Jordan definitely has a shot to get that. It's wide open right now. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's going to be Colton Ledbetter and Kellum Clark at two of those positions. Mm-hmm. And then the other spot, which I assume is probably left field. Yeah. I'm guessing Ledbetter's going to be in center. Mm-hmm. You got – this is one of those – it seems like it's like this every year, right? Like they start off the season and they don't really know who's got that other outfield spot. Right. You know, two years ago it started out with um, – Well, last year was Kellen Clark. Um, you didn't know for sure he was going to be in the outfield. That's you right. Know, DH or outfield. And then, what, two years but ago? But I was thinking about two years ago, Drew McGowan – Drew McGowan started. Yeah, left field was the question two years ago because you knew you had Tanner Allen and right and Rowdy and center, and it ended up being Brad Combus by the end of the season. But and then last year it was center field. They could never get center yeah. field figured out. Right. right. But I think they have some good options here. I think they got some great hitting options mm-hmm. when you look at you look at that uh, that grouping of hijack. And Aaron Downs and uh, Dakota Jordan. I think all three have the potential to swing it. Um, I would give the I would give the advantage to Hijack or Aaron Downs just based on seniority and based on what we've seen over the past. There's going to be a little bit of a wall that hits Dakota Jordan mm-hmm. at some point. Um, so I, you know, I always lean on those older guys usually to take over some of those positions. Is Jordan the most likely candidate to be this year's Hunter Hines to be the the big impact freshman, or is there somebody else you like? Could be. Um, you know, I like some of these some of these freshmen. I really really like their future, but it's just the guys in front of them. I don't know if they're going to have the like Ross Highfield. I think he has a chance to be really good for state, but I don't see him playing right away ahead of Luke Hancock. Yeah, if Hancock had not come back, Highfield would be a much bigger uh have a much bigger role. But as it is with Hancock back, he will definitely now he'll he'll spell him behind the plate some, but yeah. From a hitting standpoint, I'm definitely leaning towards uh Dakota Jordan. But I I'm not counting on David Mashon. And then, you know, pitching wise obviously is um we'll just go with Sanjay. Mm-hmm. Since that's what you believe, you also you like to you like to add some accents too to your to the way you say things. Tarangelo, you, you want it to be Sanjay. I, I'm pretty sure it's Sanjay is how they pronounce it. So you want it to be. You like to add a little touch to it. Well, you know, I like a little flair. I want. I would definitely want to be able to roll that R though. I want to call him Tarangelo. Tarangelo. Get that. You know, <laughs> get that whole thing going. So. I just can't wait to talk to the guy. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. His career is going to be very exciting to cover here at Mississippi State. All right. That's enough for me and Robbie. Let's talk to one of the experts. Not that Robbie's not an expert, but let's talk to one of our good friends. It was good to talk to this guy. Last year, as I mentioned, I didn't get to talk to any of these guys because there was nothing to talk about. So Teddy Cahill from Baseball America joins us now on Thunder and Lightning. Joining us now on the podcast, Teddy Cahill from Baseball America. Teddy, I missed talking to you guys last year. Mississippi State was just not worth talking about from a national perspective. How surprised were you at, at the results of last season for Mississippi State? I mean, I was very surprised. I mean, when you look at where they were ranked coming into the year, not just us, but like everyone thought that they were going to, um, you know, really have a, another 
great year coming off of the national championship. And obviously injuries, especially on the pitching side, hurt them. But even still, I, I couldn't have expected that they'd fall to last place in the SEC and be under 500 and, and just have things go as sideways as, as they ultimately did go. Every publication, including yours this year, has talked about Mississippi State, the incoming classes, both freshmen and transfer. They they like the players that are that are in those classes. So so give me a big picture thought on Mississippi State in 2023. What do you think this team can be this season? I mean, they are in some respects just a massive uh you know, like question mark as as you look at them because so much is new. I mean, you see a lot of talent on the roster, uh, but I mean, that was probably true last year as well. I mean, a lot is going to be on how well they can integrate some of these new players with some key returners like a Hunter Hines, but you know, you saw Auburn and Texas A&M fellow SEC West teams hit the portal hard a year ago and end the season in Omaha. So like it obviously can be done, um, that, that's what we've learned so far in this portal era, but there is definitely something to be said for making sure you get the right transfers and, uh, the right freshmen in and that you're able to develop them. And, you know, that's just something that is hard to know until the lights come on, especially in sec play. Let's talk about a couple of those, those newcomers. And we'll start with Colton Ledbetter, who seems to be the cream of the crop in, in this transfer portal uh, class, you know, a season ago, RJ Yeager kind of quietly had a massive season because state was not successful. Nobody really talked about him, but he was really good for the Bulldogs. Can Ledbetter be that kind of player for Mississippi State? I mean, that's certainly the hope, and and he is coming off of a, a really strong year, and he's coming out of a good program that has had players successfully transfer up into the SEC. Uh, so there's definitely something to be said for all of that. But I mean, Yeager was really good. Like you're right, and. It largely went under the radar. It was something that you know, nobody was talking about Mississippi State in any context. And, you know, Jaeger was was huge for them. And Ledbetter, <clears throat> putting that putting that on Ledbetter is probably a little bit unfair. But I, I do think that he has that kind of offensive ability. And then in a pitching uh, thing, we're talking about getting back to form. You, you may have said Ledbetter was in good shape, had a great year last year. Aaron Nixon had a great freshman year, but then last year at Texas, not so much. Can he regain that form that made him a freshman All-American? I mean, you would like to think so, and he has the physical tools. And some of it, I think, last year was he suffered like a couple really brutal blown saves, especially in the Texas Tech series. And it just didn't seem like he recovered or that they – ever had the same like true faith in him um so maybe a change of scenery is good from that standpoint uh but you know even if he is a good but not incredible piece at the back of the bullpen i do think he can be a uh, a really useful player for this mississippi state team when we talk about state's freshmen i mean everybody is just chomping at the bit to see gerangelo sanjay the 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 ambidextrous pitcher you know, how, how much have, have you been able to see him in this offseason, and how excited are you to see what he can do against SEC hitting? So he is this incredibly fascinating player, and I like – we've never really seen a player like this in college baseball, certainly not in the SEC. I mean, Creighton did, mm-hmm. of course, uh, have the, the most famous two-way or uh, you know ambidextrous pitcher in, in baseball history, but this is going to be different. And, you know – I just don't know how it's going to play 
because there's no precedent for it. I'm excited to see what it looks like uh, in the SEC, what he's able to do, you know, how teams react to it. It presents all sorts of matchup problems if you can have a pitcher who is able to switch pitch. Um, But he is also just a legitimately talented player. He's not just a sideshow with all of that. So like any freshman, there are, you know, some concerns just about how he'll adjust. But I, I do think that that has the potential to be a really exciting thing for Mississippi State to be able to to throw him in and throw him in with both hands and, and see where, where they get with it. For the first time in a long time, and we'll stay with pitching here, you know, I couldn't tell you who I, who I would predict to be State's Friday night starter on the first game of the season. And you know, last year was Landon Sims. You know, prior to that, you, 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 JT Ginn was the, the guy, and then and, and Ethan Small, and, and just going further and further back. I don't know who that guy is going to be this year. Is State's rotation its biggest question mark for you coming into the season? Uh, I feel like the whole team is the biggest question mark. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the rotation certainly is a question mark, but the thing that I would say about that right now is that whoever their Friday night starter is, is not necessarily going to be, you know, on February 17 is not right. necessarily going to take the ball to start SEC play that things are dynamic right now. And that, you know, just because somebody starts on opening night, somebody has to start on opening night. Right. Um, so yes, it, it's definitely a question mark. Um, but I don't think it's a question mark in a like, well, I don't think they can be good because it's a question mark. It's a question mark. Uh, but they have, they certainly have some options. They just don't have a true Friday night starter. It would appear right now. And maybe that raises some questions about their ceiling going forward. But in the immediate, I, I, it's not my greatest concern with the team, I don't think. We talk so much about all the newcomers with State this year. And that's just really been the focus of the offseason. And we forget that they brought back some really good, talented players. Namely, you know, Hunter Hines among them. A lot of great power hitters in the conference. Hunter Hines is right there in that mix for me. Where do you have him among you know the best power hitters in college baseball? Ooh, I mean, he certainly has some has some serious juice. Uh, but like you said, there are some incredible power hitters just within the conference. I mean, you think about what Dylan Cruz and Wyatt Laneford can do. Um, you know, to, to name a couple. But he uh, he's certainly bringing the juice, and to have done what he did as a freshman on a team where he wasn't. You know, it's not like he was surrounded by an incredible array of talent. Like there was actually some amount of scouting report that had to be dedicated to this freshman. Um, I I think that that really does look uh, all the more impressive. But uh, it's uh, to to have hit 13 doubles and and, and 16 home runs last year. I mean, you, you do really just have to sit up and take notice of that. And it's a great building block for the heart of that lineup. Between he and Kellum Clark, do you think that's a couple guys who can get close to 40 home runs this year? I mean, that certainly would be the hope. Uh, you know, Kellum Clark is kind of a mystery for me. He hit 14 home runs last year. He only hit 257. How much more is in there for him? I mean, the other thing is Mississippi State is playing in the new dude, which just is not as offensive as some of these other ballparks in the conference. So how realistic is it that you're going to have two 20 home run guys yeah. on a team in Starkville right now? I just don't know. Uh, I don't know that, that I would put 40 on those two guys. If they hit 30 plus, like they hit 30 combined last year, if they hit 30 plus this year, I think, I think you have to be happy with that. 
Let's look at the SEC for for a minute. You, you won't believe this, but once again, it's it's a good conference in baseball. LSU is is kind of the big bad this year. There, everybody's got them kind of preseason number one or in that area. Why are they different than Arkansas two years ago and Tennessee a year ago? How will they succeed where those two teams failed? I mean, that's the great mystery of this baseball tournament, right? Is why does the number one team not be successful and I don't even think right now it's fair to compare them to Arkansas and Tennessee yet. I think it's more like, where are they going to be different from like Texas last year or whoever we ranked number one in 2021? I've already forgotten. Um, (laughs) The, the thing about the Tennessee last year is that they were not expected to do what they did. They built themselves into that kind of quietly. LSU just went out and won the off season is kind of the way I've been been explaining it. And they added all this incredible talent and you look at them right now and they look like a super team, but Arkansas and Tennessee were not predicted to be what they became. So LSU kind of has to prove something to even get on that level to begin with. Where they're different, I guess, where they might end up winning, where so many preseason number ones have, have failed before, is that I just think the depth of superstar talent is so incredible. Like not only do they have normal depth, they have superstar depth, like depth of like, why are these players even in college to begin with Uh, (laughs) that they're going to have to manage some things. They're going to have to stay healthy. You have to have luck to win in Omaha. Ultimately, like all of these things have to come true, but I do think there's a lot of winning DNA uh, within the coaching staff. You have a, major league pitching coach as their pitching coach uh you know jay johnson knows what it takes to win in omaha and you have a group of players that's highly motivated to make that happen i i think they have a lot of the factors you would want uh but they are going to face things now that they haven't had to face over the last six months when everybody's been talking them up i wouldn't say state and ole miss were off the radar or under the radar teams when they won the national title they were both you know i think ole miss was ranked number one at one point last year uh, and in state, I know, was consistently in the top five, top ten all season long. So you wouldn't say under the radar, but they were coming out of the SEC that had Arkansas and had Tennessee as these massive favorites. So who's an SEC team that you could see maybe winning it all that isn't LSU? And please don't say Vanderbilt, but is there a, a sort of a, a, a team that's kind of down the road a little bit that you like a lot going into the uh, the season? I mean, like the whole conference, I guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, it, yeah. It's unfair to say Tennessee. Maybe not Missouri. Right. Yes. Everyone, 13 of these teams, maybe or maybe maybe 10 of these teams you can see that with. But um, it's unfair to say Tennessee. Everyone's going to have them ranked number two, I think. Um, So you have to look a little further than that. And, you know, you mentioned Vanderbilt and with the pitching depth that they have and, you know, just the overall talent, I think you have to consider them. But um, there's no reason why Ole Miss can't do something again. Uh, there's an awful lot of talent to be had on that roster still. Um, A&M seems to be a more popular pick than what I'm predicting them to be right now. But I will acknowledge that like, I see what their ceiling is. I just kind of, I'm maybe I'm not as high on them right now as, as they are, as others are. But if, uh, if they have some players step up to replace guys that they lost last year, they have an awful lot to like there. And then Florida, I think really highly of um, 
you talk about superstars, they absolutely have them. Wyatt Laneford, they added Hurston Waldrop through the transfer portal. Brandon Sprout was a third-round draft pick who came back. Uh, Florida's never shy on talent. So if they're able to – they haven't made it to Omaha since 2018. They haven't even won a regional since then. Uh, but we know what kind of program they're running there, and, and I, they, they can't be down for too terribly long. So – uh, even if this is down for Florida, hosting regionals in back-to-back years, just not winning them. Like I, I do think there's something coming uh, in Gainesville. We shall soon see 30 days until first pitch. I know you can't wait, and neither can I. Teddy Cahill, Baseball America, man, thanks so much for joining me. I always appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. All right, thanks to Teddy for his time. Appreciate that. Let's go ahead and move on into the uh, – Rest of the show that's brought to you by our friends over at the Mississippi Beef Council who want to remind you that beef, it's what's for dinner. If you're cooking out this weekend or if you're cooking in, always want to start with beef. If you're putting firing up the grill, man, a steak on the grill, nothing better than that. And, of course, if you're staying in because you're trying to avoid the cold, big pot of chili, big pot of taco soup or beef stew, they're all great options. If you're looking for recipes, we've got them at msbeef.org. You can find out that and a lot more information about our great beef producers here in the state of Mississippi. Head to the grocery store. Talk to your butchers. Beef, it's what's for dinner. Thanks to our friends at the Mississippi Beef Council. Big Daddy is cooking a prime rib for supper tonight. I have heard. Just just, just on a Monday, huh? Just throwing out it's, the prime rib. Just a random Monday. Just well, it's not random. It's Martin Luther King Day, but still. Well, yeah, that's true. Fantastic. What time do I need to be there? Uh, it's going to be while you're on the air, so ah, oh, I'm sorry. Maybe oh. next time. I will remember that. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District is the place to find smoked southern soul food. Whenever you're in town, Two Brothers always has my highest recommendation. Love the food there. Love the people. Great location. And, you know, it's just, it's just so much fun. Uh I love a restaurant that's consistent. I love a restaurant that I know every time when I go in, the food is going to be as good as the last time I was in there. And I get that every single time with Two Brothers. But don't just take my word for it. Go check it out for yourself. Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District. Smoked Southern Soul Food. Great products and great service. Something that every business likes to offer you. But Advantage Business Systems, they deliver it to you. And they have for over 48 years. Long time. Long time. 48 years. So when you need new technology for your business, you call Advantage Business Systems. And then if you need service, you call them right back and they take care of you in a lot of cases that very same day. But they can do that because they're a Mississippi business just like you. You're not talking to out-of-state consultants who show up a week, 10 days later. You're talking to somebody here in the 601. And that number is 601-362-9192 or visit them online at absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems helps your business do business the Rogue and the Collegiate Collection at the Rogue. It is the finest collection of quarter zips and polos for Mississippi State that is available. They've got the logos you want, and they've got the styles that you crave. They've got great-looking polos, great-looking quarter zips, and it all comes with the great service that you get from one of the South's top men's clothing stores. Shop at the Rogue in Jackson. Shop online at therogue.com. Don't live the three-stripe life. Shop at the Rogue. Mississippi State back at the hump tonight to take on uh, Tennessee. I haven't seen the latest poll to see what Tennessee is ranked. I just have to make an assumption that they dropped after losing to uh, Kentucky 
on Saturday. I, I tend to agree with what you said yesterday that, you know, obviously it was going to be a tough hill to climb for state one way or the other playing Tennessee, but coming off of a loss, it's going to be really difficult to catch the Vols uh, sleeping uh, a second time around. I will say this, and I believe this. If State plays the way they played against Auburn and can just make just a small amount of three-pointers, they could shoot 18 again if they can make four or five, which is not a great percentage. He's talking under 30%. But if they can do that and combine what they did on the floor and what they did at the free-throw line and how the way they played defensively, they're going to win, they can win this game. Tennessee is not an unbeatable juggernaut. They they killed Mississippi State up there. No question about that. It what happened in Knoxville, but they can they are gettable at the same time. Yeah, I think Alabama is the best team in the conference and might be one of the best teams in the country. Mm-hmm. Judging by the fact they've you know they've beaten a couple of number one teams this year and played a really good schedule. And I thought State was in that ball game with them. And they got away from them a little bit. Uh, in the game and you know the second half they it wasn't you know always close but if state makes their free throws in that game that's a completely different ball game and that's the number four team in the country this team is a lot better than people give it credit for it's just it looks really ugly because they can't make shots they've struggled with the free throw line and the offense just hasn't been very good but you still have an elite defensive team you have a team that's able to keep you in the ball game by its effort and what it does on the defensive end. Anytime you have a team that does that, you have a chance against just about anybody because, you know, not everybody's going to come in into the hump and light it up. If you're able to keep a team neutralized a little bit and you're able to hit some shots, you got a chance in this game. I would be shocked if it was anything remotely close to what it was in Knoxville. Yeah. Like, it, it would really be shocking. And by the way, Tennessee dropped to ninth. So they've ninth. dropped – they dropped from fifth to ninth. That's about right. That's yeah, about so um, it, it would be really surprising to me. I mean, right now, Mississippi State has lost to the number four team in the country, the number nine team in the country, and the number 16 team in the country. Right, plus Drake. And then Drake and Georgia, obviously, which were – I mean, Georgia, you sh- there's no way you should have lost that game. But either that's neither here nor there. Yeah. You're, you've played some good teams here. You've lost to some good teams. you got a chance to, to come through um, with a good game here. And for Mississippi State, I mean, nobody's expecting to come out here and win this game. Mm-hmm. But just be competitive. Show some fight, which they did against Auburn. Show the ability to get up off the mat here and, and get things turned around. Because, again, we, we talked about it a little bit. It's not going to be easy, but – Things are teams are starting to get exposed now in the SEC, and it's not nearly as loaded down as we thought it was. Yeah, a few weeks ago, there there's some opportunities down the stretch for Mississippi State, Agreed. but they're going to have to capitalize when they come. And th- I think it starts with a good showing here. It's kind of like you know with the women last week. I know people hate comparing the two teams, but no, very similar situation. You're like State lost three straight games with that third loss in a row was against the best team in the country, and you held that team, South Carolina, to its lowest point total all year. And you showed in that game that you're, you're a pretty darn good team. And now they have a chance to go on a little run here. Well, State, I mean, obviously you got Alabama and TCU coming down the pipe here, but you just have to show some fight here, and you're going to have to find ways to grab some wins here and there 
uh, over the last part of the schedule. And I'm not expecting them to go to, to Bama and win. I'm not expecting them to beat Tennessee. But the rest of those games are winnable ball games the, on the rest of the schedule. Uh, A&M's showing up early on uh, in the SEC schedule, but that game's a, a, in Startville. You get South Carolina twice, and they're, they're terrible, even though they won at uh, Kentucky. You got Vanderbilt. You got um, Missouri yeah. and Columbia is going to be tough, but you got Ole Miss. You got Kentucky at home, LSU at home. So it's um, there, there's some opportunities here. In the net ranking, State is down to 54th. Uh, this week's opponents, Tennessee, is second overall in the net rankings. Uh, so obviously a huge opportunity uh, on Tuesday night. Then Florida is at 48. So that's an opportunity for a good quality win. Uh, there for Mississippi State, they need they they a one and one really needs to happen this week. Another zero and two week, and now we're going to start talking about must win games down the road. But at one and one, you just keep yourself on the path. You keep yourself treading and going in the right direction. Um, but zero and two, like I said, you know, then we start talking about okay, State's got to find a win here, there, or other. Uh, and obviously, if you could beat Tennessee tonight, that would be an incredible victory for the program. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not going to predict that by any stretch of the imagination, but I do agree with you. I think that this will be a much closer game, and I, and I'll be honest with you. I think in a, I think it's next week uh, when they play at Alabama. I think that that's a game where State has a they're on they're on alert to get run off the court because I just feel like even though State played them closely at home, Alabama on the road is just a different animal as LSU kind of find out found out uh, this past uh, weekend. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be tough. But, you know, state loss, I mean, that could be very similar to the Tennessee game that they had a couple weeks ago. That was a 34-point game. I don't – like I said, it would be absolutely shocking if they lost Tennessee by, like, 30-plus. Yeah. At home. I, I just – I don't and I, 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 I still believe that this fan base is behind that team, and I think, there, I think there's going to still be a solid crowd there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you're playing the number – a top-10 team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and this team has shown a lot of fight. There's no reason not to come check out uh, Mississippi State on Tuesday night. Yeah, like I said, I, th- I really do think that if State can play the same game they played against Auburn, but just find a way to hit a a, a few three pointers, they can they can walk out of the Humphrey Coliseum with a win on Tuesday night. We will see if that happens. All right, tomorrow's show uh, rumblings. Yeah, we'll do the rumblings, but we'll also have a future Brian uh, update, and he'll recap the uh, the game for us on uh, on Tuesday or on Wednesday. And then on Tuesday, as you're listening, I'm I'm scheduled to talk to Coach Chris Lamonis a little later in the day. As soon as that interview concludes, I will uh, get it produced and posted on the uh, podcast feed, and you can just go ahead and grab it. It's be part of our thirty our thirty days uh, until first pitch theme for today. So. Enjoy that, and uh, Robbie and I will be back with you on Wednesday. For Robbie Falk, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk. Mississippi Media Production.